Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here. Hey, if you can take a moment, we're going to take a look at the book. Go to the book of Jeremiah. It's one of the ancient Jewish prophets that wrote 2,500 years ago and was actually talking about events that would unfold in our day. I have in my hand a copy of this five-hour audio series that is on CD entitled Jeremiah, A Unique Prophecy. Well, he's a unique prophet. It's a unique prophecy with a unique purpose that you need to study through. Jeremiah and judgment is what we're going to be talking about as we study together today. I want you to get your Bibles handy. And after we have our study, I'll tell you how you can get your own copy of Jeremiah, a unique prophecy. Right now, though, let's go to the book of Jeremiah for our study on Jeremiah and judgment. Look what it says in chapter 6, verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect. Now, does that mean he was without sin? No. Every man born. One created Adam. Every other man was born. You see, from the first woman came from man, but the rest of the men have come from women. And everyone born were born in sin. In my mother's womb I was conceived in sin, King David said. As a baby I came forth, Psalm 58, as a liar. I knew how to lie. Nobody had to teach me. Noah was the same way. He was not without sin. He was perfect because he had not been contaminated by the satanic strain. He had no... And, and, and the genealogy in chapter 5 proves that. Noah was found a just man and perfect in his generation or in his and his descendants. And Noah walked with the Lord, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jebus. And there was no satanic strain there. And so he's going to leave eight people upon the face of the earth. Noah, his three sons, and their four wives, giving us eight people. This is the situation, the rebellion that's taking place. And God is going to give Noah the responsibility of preaching 120 years to tell the people, get your heart right, God's going to destroy this world. Now, there could have been a lot of people that could have been born without having that sexual contamination. But instead, they weren't. They went the way of their own hearts and minds. By the way, you reject this, you reject Jesus Christ. Matthew 24, Mount of Olives, all of that discourse, as in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Interesting text there. I don't have time to develop it, but I think it says more than what you just think I said. It says a lot. Peter, you have to deny the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God in the Apostle Peter if you say that this didn't happen that the flood didn't take place and that the world was not completely destroyed. He says, look at verse 11, uh, verse 10, and Noah begot three sons, verse 11, the earth was al also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence and all this was going on and God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth and the entire earth. How many people were here then? I don't know, it's about 1,500 years. Well, I think you can look at the genealogies and count the numbers from creation until the flood at least 1600 and 
1,656 years at least, just counting the numbers in there. Let's say for round figures, 1,500 years. How many people have been alive? Well, according to statistics, we can say somewhere maybe around 2 billion people. But let's say very, very, very conservatively about 800 million. Now that's a lot of people. And they covered the earth. This wasn't a little flood in Mesopotamia. They covered the earth. They covered the earth and corruption had hit all of the earth, God said. He didn't say Asia Minor, Mesopotamia, the location between the Euphrates and the Tigris rivers. All of the earth. Verse 13, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy, destroy them with the earth. I'm going to destroy it all. Noah, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shall thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within without with pitch. Now we've looked at Noah's family. The only pure, perfect ones, not contaminated with a satanic bloodstream. And he says, now make you an ark. Let's look at Noah's ark. The length of it, verse 15. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. A cubit is from the elbow to the tip of the index, largest finger, so that's approximately 18 inches. So 300 cubits would be 450 feet. The breadth or the width of it, 50 cubits, that's 75 feet. The height of it, 30 cubits, that's 45 feet. It's going to have three stories. Verse 16, a window shall thou make to the ark, and a, uh, and a cubit shall thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shall thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shall thou make it. Well, you know how large the ark was? I walked this auditorium. The auditorium is basically 85 feet wide right here. The auditorium is 120 feet long. That pole back there, that last pole back there is 24 feet high. Let me tell you how large the Ark of the Covenant, I mean, let me tell you how large the Ark was. It was as wide as this building. And it was four times the length of this building. And it was twice as high as that pole there. Not the the third one back. Because that's 24, double that, that's 48, or 45, I'm in the ballpark. 85, it's 75, I'm in the ballpark. 120 times 4, that's 480, 450, I'm in the ballpark. Can you imagine a boat like that? <laughs> Do you think that the, you know how many square feet it had? With the three stories? 101,250 square feet. You know how much that is? 20 NBA basketball courts. 50 normal homes. What's an average home? 18, 2,000 square feet? 50 of them. 337 boxcars. That's the space in there. <laughs> Think you can put a couple animals in there? God said, uh, Noah, make this ark. 
You want me to do this, Lord? All these people are mocking me out. Make the ark. In 120 years, he's out there making the ark. <laughs> you idiot, Noah. Yeah, I'm an idiot, but baby, one day you're in trouble. <laughs> no, I don't know if he said that, but anyway, he made the ark. And God said, I want you to take two of every animal, every kind, two of every kind, not every shade of dog. He only took a German shepherd, I know that. <laughs> Everything else is a waste. These little pickinies. I feed those to my German shepherd. But anyway, <laughs> I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Don't get it. He said, two of every kind. And he said, take them. And said, in fact, the clean ones, I want seven of those. Take them in. Take them in. How, how, did he, how did he get all the animals there? A great question. You know how he got the animals there? You know what he did in chapter two, uh, chapter, uh, yeah, two of uh, of, of uh, wait, 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 I think it's, let me see what chapter it is. I think it's chapter one. Look at this. I'm going to show you something back here. In chapter, it's chapter two, verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmate. Genesis chapter two, verse 18. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. <laughs> that was a neat day, I'm sure. Oh, Adam must have had a great time out there naming those animals. <laughs> he saw this big thing come in with humongous hips. And uh, Adam said, that's a hippopotamus. <laughs> and then he saw this little thing running around. So, that's an ant. <laughs> And then he saw this thing with a long snout, eat that ant, that's an ant eater. <laughs> you know, must have had a marvelous time naming the animals. See, God brought the animals to Adam. Now what happened? Go back to chapter 7. Let me show you something here. Genesis chapter 7. God's going to bring the animals. Look what it says in verse 16. And they went in, went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded. And my King James says him, but that is not a word in the Hebrew to be translated. That's an interpolation of what's said there. God commanded the animals to come. They all go in the ark. You mean those dinosaurs too? Yes, dinosaurs too. Now, he didn't get the most humongous dinosaur in the world. You know what he got? Young dinosaurs. You know one of the characteristics of dinosaurs? By the way, when were dinosaurs created? Sixth day of creation. That's when they were brought into existence. All creeping animals upon the face of the earth. The sixth day of creation went like this. God created Adam. Then he created all the animals. Then he created, then he had the naming of the animals. Then he created Eve. Because there wasn't a helpmate found. That's the sixth day of creation. He created dinosaurs that day. By the way, you know we do have dinosaurs alive today. There's a bunch of them down in Florida. They're called alligators. That would qualify as a dinosaur. And he brought little dinosaurs in, not humongous dinosaurs. They're going to be in there for just over a year. And he brings them in. Well, how are they going to stay there for a year? How are they going to clean up all that stuff? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> they went to sleep. 
they hibernated for a year, brought enough food in. They got them all. Look, I'm not a scientist. I'm not trying to. I'm just touching base with this to give you some information. Now, let me show you one other thing. We looked at Noah and his family. They were perfect. They could go in. We looked at Noah's ark. Now let's look at the universality of the flood. As we look at the universality of the flood, look, in verse, uh, look up here in verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 4. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. By the way, it had not rained in over 1,600 years. You remember what happened on the second day of creation? He separated the waters from the waters. What did he do? He put some of it above the firmament or in the firmament. He put the other on the ground, on the earth. He divided the earth, the land surface from the water surface. And that canopy effect, that greenhouse effect was in operation. That's how they had longevity of life. That's how they were able to sustain a beautiful existence. But now, he said, it's going to rain. Noah said, it's going to do what? It's going to rain. That's what he says. Look down here in verse 11. And in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, in the 17th day of the month, isn't it neat the way God is so absolutely specific, the exact day, helps us determine how long they were in the ark. That same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up. That's the earth. You understand how water operates, don't you? There's water in the oceans, in the lakes, in the rivers, but there's water under the crust of the earth. And he breaks up the earth. And gigantic earthquakes took place. And this threw the dust into the atmosphere. And with that vapor canopy up there, the dust mixed with it and they formed raindrops. Then what did he do? See, the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. And he starts to rain, verse 12, and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Well, let's look at verse 16. And they went in, they went in male and female, all of them as the Lord commanded, and the Lord shut them in. Verse 17 of chapter 7, and the flood was 40 days on the, upon the earth, and the waters increased, and bare up the ark, and it was lifted up above the earth, and the waters prevailed, and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went up upon the face of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Every single hill or mountain was covered by the water. Every one of them. Now remember, pre-flood earth was different. And they didn't have the high mountains as we understand them today. However high the mountains were, you say, you weren't there, how do you know? All I do know for sure is they were all covered. In fact, you know how much they were covered? 22 feet. Look at the next verse, verse 20. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail and the mountains were covered. Fifteen cubits, approximately 22 feet. Verse 21, and all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beasts and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man. By the way, the fish were not destroyed. He couldn't have destroyed the fish. And by the way, that was a necessity. Where do you think all those bodies went? The fish picked the flesh off of all of those bodies. 
Every man, verse 22, and in whose nostrils was the breath of life of all that was in the dry land. God's word tells us what will happen in the end times. The book of Jeremiah, a unique prophecy indeed, is speaking to our day. Over 2,500 years ago, the prophet Jeremiah wrote this book, and it is as up-to-date as the front page of the newspaper. Well, you need to study the entire series. It's a five-hour audio series entitled Jeremiah, A Unique Prophecy. It's on CD, so you can study it if you're on a long trip someplace and have a beneficial time on the road. Again, the title, Jeremiah, A Unique Prophecy, a five-hour audio series on CD. You can call our toll-free number and make your order. It's 877-674-3298. Now, that's toll-free from across America. Won't cost you a penny to make the call and order your copy of Jeremiah, A Unique Prophecy. Again, the number, 877-674-3298. Or go to our website, prophecytoday.com, and click on the shopping mall. There you can make the order as well. When we studied Jeremiah, that prophecy that was written 2,500 years ago seems like we're talking about what is happening today. It's evidence that Jesus Christ could shout to call us up to be with him in the heavenlies forevermore at the rapture of the church. And after saying that, you know what? There's nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until... 